G'day, and welcome to the AHDC podcast series, Health Design on the Go. I'm your host, David Cummins, and today we're speaking to Dr. Harm Hollander, a principal at Conrad Gargat Architects, who has been at the practice on and off since 1984, since graduating as an architect. Dr. Harm's career has spanned across Australia and the world, including the UK and China. Dr. Harm has been part of the AHDC since 2015 and has been the treasurer ever since. And without his constant support and financial know-how, we'd certainly not be in the strong position we are today. Dr. Harm, thank you very much for your time and thank you for being here. Thank you, David. And somehow doctor and Harm don't go together, do they? (laughs) What are you a doctor in? I'm a doctor in creative industry, a doctor in the field of hospital flexibility. Oh, right. And what, what actually is hospital flexibility for those that are not aware of it? That is the physical attributes of the building itself. So the way it is changeable, flexibility is not just the traditional way of looking at a building. It's also looking at the the actors which are within the building, sort of comparing it to a stage and its actors. They sort of add as one and the procedure within the building can be just as flexible as the building itself. It's the accessibility to change that is really important. It's the ability of the building to change readily and respond to the fast-growing changes that are needed in hospital buildings nowadays. There are hindrances in the way that construction is really difficult and disruptive, so finding ways to make it more accessible towards change is pretty important. Yeah, especially the last few years with the COVID pandemic, there was a lot of panic and need for change in a very short period of time. I imagine your research and your know-how, especially with the architectural background in health, was quite instrumental to some quick changes, especially in the industry as it was today. Yes. So what do you think has been the biggest adaptation in the last few years, I imagine COVID, but the adaptability for people and patients and staff from an infection control point of view, but also a safety point of view would be a huge adaption. Yes. And the ever-growing and accelerating need for change on top of that. Traditionally, flexibility has, has focused a lot on modularity so or uniformity saying that if you provide the real estate for a room, that it is uniform size as much as possible so you can interchange functions. But it it is that access towards change which is just as important. Yeah, I agree. So as a 20-something-year-old, you finish your degree in architecture and then move straight to Conrad Gargat, correct? Within a year of graduating, I moved to Conrad Gargat, yes. I did, the, been... I did the normal thing first, you know, travel to Europe for a few months before finding a job to settle in. Has it always been health that you've been in? Not completely, no. I I started off as a generalist. I still like to think of myself as a generalist, as well as having a sort of expertise in flexibility. What do you think are the biggest challenges of being an architect in countries, especially China, which have very different building structure and climate structures and their own challenges? I found that a great challenge in interpreting the client's needs and priorities. Uh, When you're set in a system like the Australian culture, you become entrenched in it, but then you're facing a new culture and you are forced to interpret anew. Interesting. I think you have been part of the European Design Council and certainly helped with a lot of projects overseas. 
What do you think Australia does does well in healthcare and what do you think some of our lessons learned and opportunities are, especially when you look at some of our partners in Canada, UK, Scandinavia and, and Germany? I was really impressed some years ago when I was at an international conference and one of the audience members from Europe stood up and said, I really look forward to seeing a magazine with a new Australian hospital in it because they've got this wonderful way of doing things. Till then, I didn't think that we stood out that much, but we were admired. And I think we're admired in that Australian architects like to think of the outdoors and the contribution of the outdoors to the indoor environment. We treat outdoor space not as something to vision through a window, but something to interact with. Yeah, in in hindsight, when I'm looking at, you know, European uh, architecture, especially in healthcare and even American architecture, the outdoor setting is just a place for a building or a car park. It's certainly not a place to heal and to communicate and to be with your family and to help with your rehabilitation, which they absolutely utilize space in healthcare architecture in the outdoor setting. Um, so what would you say some of the highlights of your career then? I got a great kick out of visioning something in a new way. So if there's one thing I've learned, it's the longer I'm around, the more ways are evident of viewing something. So an example of that was when I thought about a client's design problem about 10 years ago. I discussed it with our interiors department. The interiors department came up with the scheme and that highlighted to me that this particular project was disruptive to patient flow, not helpful. The interiors designer's idea was that they would celebrate each point of handover or rest or change. And I realised then how many points of handover there were. And of course, every point of handover is a risk and a disruption to the flow. So I came up with a new scheme, presented it to the client, and I was about 40 seconds in. I said, look, I thought I was right before. I thought it was all about patient flow and circular flow and discretion, but I was wrong. It's about patient handover and minimising those sort of points. And I was still in the process of describing it 40 seconds in and the doctor said, stop, harm, stop. I hear what you're saying. I know where you're going. I like it. Very clever. How long did it take you to think of that? And I said, 50 years. He knew what I meant. Yeah, I always say patient-centered care is, for me, the number one purpose of design and build. It should always be about that patient. And if you keep in mind, who am I building for? Who am I designing for? A lot of things will actually flow quite easier. So what would you say have been some of the, the biggest challenges of your career? Every archie has got a challenging story and a lesson learned story. Well, I think there's a great disadvantage in that we get a new client at every project. So we get a team to liaise with and they generally haven't been involved in a building project before. So you need to take them through a journey and new. And the, the quality of design is how far you can get into that journey. It's necessary but frustrating because the quality is only as good as you you collaborating with those people and seeing what you can build up within that time frame. In, in the private sector work in hospitals where you're dealing with the same client over and over again, the rate of improvement to quality is much faster. 
Yeah, especially in the public sector where in some states in particular, there is a high turnover depending on the department you work for. So you are starting a fresh and a new, you're still dealing with new people and therefore new challenges as well. Sometimes it goes very well. I've had the privilege of working with very smart, smart clients. And a few in common have said to me some way through the process, I've realized that I should never describe solutions to you. I should just describe the issues. So that's the clever ones. But of course, that's a, there's a whole cohort of people who insist that they spell out the solution for you, even though it is just thinking of one particular solution. Yeah, there's a lot of people that love to go to solution mode. The other thing that gives me a kick is that it's not just the problem that is presented to you or framed to you. Once you start to have a dialogue about it, you realize that there's other opportunities that can be wrapped up in the problem and a better solution. I think architecture is one of those things where from the 1980s to today, there has been so much evolution and change. What is something that people always get wrong in our industry in relation to architecture for healthcare? It's a field where a lot of people claim to be experts, but to me, there's no such thing. And I said before, that's why I'm still here because it's practicing, it's practicing, it's getting better. You're not only consulting, you're collaborating. Together, you're doing something and it's an opportunity to get it better and better. Yeah, I agree. Speaking, speaking of collaboration, how important has networking been to you as an architect and as in, as a principal at Conrad Gaga, and I suppose where does the AHDC come into that? Yes, I come from an attitude of uh, we might compete through the day, but at nights we should have conversations. And I do that on the basis of if you're a leader in, in the field, you're still going to be a leader in the field even though you can share your secrets because collectively we're sharing those ideas. It's a two-way sword. I give I hear something. So collaboration through the AHDC is really the attraction for me. I'd like to see better quality design. So that's my overall motivation. How has design changed for you in the last few years, knowing that people are talking a lot more about climate change, reducing the carbon footprint, trying to go towards a net zero hospital, which is happening over in Europe at the moment? How has your design and your thinking changed? Overall, since 2000, I've just seen an acceleration of sophistication and rigour in terms of everything which contributes to a hospital. So it's good to see. And when you have a responsiveness like that from a client, then you can you can fuel it, as it were, um, innovate with together with them and initiate certain ideas. And it, it sticks. I imagine... Budget would probably be one of the biggest challenges for an architect where you have this passion and this idea and this design intent and for whatever reason, the, the budget's just not there. So you, you can fully understand that the building has a budget and has a sort of definition to it. That's quite reasonable. Since I responded to that in my studies by putting out two publications one of those publications was called Flexible Designs Inside Hospital, but Cases for Value-Led Design Approaches. In other words, we could introduce flexibility into a hospital without costing anything. As a matter of fact, in some cases, actually saving money. Yeah, that's very interesting and, and something that I think a lot of new hospitals are trying to do but still don't 
do it well. Yeah, there, there's certainly good opportunities. For instance, we put a lot of focus into partitions in hospital and they're getting heavier and heavier. They started life as the amountable sort of stud and frames, stud system with plasterboard on it. But they have become more complex over the years. So acoustic ratings and the heaviness factors and the complexity and the time that it takes to construct them is really rigid. But there's other solutions to acoustics. For instance, there's pink noise. There's acoustic ceiling barriers that can stop the sound transmitting over the ceiling spaces. So if you make those sort of combinations, you can simplify the partition again and save your money and make it more accessible for change in the future. Yeah, and I think sometimes when people talk about budget, they're just focusing on today. But for something like double glazed windows, there's actually the operational budget, which I think a lot of people generally forget about knowing that a little bit extra money here will save a lot of money in the future. Just one last question. What what advice would you give to the next generation to, and to those people entering the health design industry? If you were your a, if it was young Harm graduating today, what advice would you give him starting out his career? I'd give two items. Firstly, thinking of architecture not as, well, especially hospital architecture, as not assembling a puzzle and solving a problem. It's more than that. It's creating something that's determinate out of something that is indeterminate. As I mentioned before, you can roll in all these problems once you understand the issues and come up with a beautiful solution that sings. That's number one. And number two is in this collaborative process of forming a brief, forming the definition of the problem. The key is in asking the right questions. Thank you very much, Harm, for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You have been listening to the Australian Health Care Design Council podcast series, Health Design on the Go. If you'd like to learn more about the AHDC, please connect with us on our website or LinkedIn. Thank you for listening.